all right we are live hello welcome back to another episode of girls with fun how are i know we were just talking about it but how are things going for you hope they're going better yeah lost (laughs) this pin that our friend got me for my birthday i've had it for like two to three weeks and it fell off my bag and so i ran around like a crazy person today trying to find it so it wasn't super productive with like the general things i should be doing on sundays like preparing for the week etc so (laughs) i'm very tired that's the short version how about you how are you doing um i had a super inconvenience that i won't talk about on the podcast today but i'm not in the brightest of moods either so (laughs) hopefully us talking about bts will you know make it better (laughs) it'll be a fun ride for everyone involved if we're both like pissy on the track i know right um don't want that negative energy going towards bts so let's switch it up um all right so this week was kind of a slow week i mean kind of not and kind of yes i don't know let's just get into it so on the 18th we got bts giant uno cards what (laughs) yeah yeah we're getting those you know the uno cards we got last time we're getting them in mega form i have the Uh, regular ones man why do yeah. I need big ones? What's the I don't know. competitive advantage here? I don't know. I've played with the big Uno cards before, and it was just kind of weird. Um, it's also really hard to like hide your deck. You have to like fan out like massive cards. Like they're huge. <laughs> it's like holding a textbook. Um, <laughs> Sounds strenuous. I don't really get it, but I mean, sure. Why not? Big Hit can make a dollar or 20 or 20,000, so. Yeah. Um, also, on the 19th, I think this is the biggest news of the week. Um, the B concept photo was released right there. We love loving suffering. It, MEST. Um, wow. <laughs> well, was not ready for that. Like, <laughs> really was not ready. No. I knew that had to be coming at some point, right? They usually come like a month before the promos, so I should have expected it, but I never expect anything with BTS. (laughs) And how can you even be ready for something like that? Right. I guess it's like crazy because I still feel like at the same level or more. Like, you know, people talk about like, oh, like the honeymoon phase or like you start out really strong in something and then it kind of like trickles off, you know, but like. Every time I see a new comeback photo, I'm, like, just as feral as the first comeback (laughs) that I was a part of. So, yeah, I don't even know how I'm going to talk about this. Yeah. Semi-public forum, singular. (laughs) Well, this photo was um, particularly interesting because this time it was innovated and created by them. Um, I mean, I don't think that they were, like, physically shooting it, but they uh, did come up with a design, as they've been saying in their uh, YouTube lives. They pretty much prepared this entire album. So it was nice to actually see their vision come to fruition that they've been talking about for what seems like months now. Um, Very laid-back concept, kind of like just got off work. (laughs) I've been spending the last six months at home, but luxury yeah. style. 
you know, kind of chilling, making music. Look like I got somewhere to go, but kind of not also. Those uh, blue velvet pants, are we going to talk about that? I mean... No. <laughs> I mean, he looks good. I wasn't like, oh my god, velvet pants. Were you? Like, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like it was a very bold sartorial choice. Like, <laughs> that's where my eyes go when I look at this photo. Yeah, that and, I mean, like, June and fedora. And possibly Jimin's accidental shoulder. Velvet pants with a, um blazer you know but also like balenciaga slides exactly it's a whole look that no one else could pull off yeah (laughs) um yeah i'm focused on jimin's shoulder that you know what like that shoulder's gonna show (laughs) like it doesn't matter what's going on what the situation is what the concept is oh that shoulder's on display like that's what i focus on shoulders (laughs) out sun's out guns out jimin keeps his shoulders out yep I'm digging Hobie's cute little slides he has on. <laughs> um, also, Jungkook with the guitar. Are we going to get Jungkook playing the guitar? I don't know. Yeah, it seems promising. Also, like, can they please stop photoshopping out his hand tattoos? It's so confusing to me. Nope. <laughs> this isn't a Jungkook hand tattoo podcast, but like... I'm like, oh, it's on his other hand. And then I'm like, no, it's just not there. Nope. They said no tattoos for you. It's going to be like this. We're not going to see his tattoos. It's so confusing and it's so inconsistent. Because sometimes on like in the soup, it's blurred out. And then sometimes it's not. And then on some DVDs, it's blurred. Or like they won't zoom in on his hand for Boy With Love for like the longest time. And then other times they're like, hello. Is it dependent on the, like, individual cameraman? Like, what what do I do with this? It's what I want to know is, why are the hand tattoos acceptable sometimes, but the exactly. rest of the tattoos are not? Like, it's all tattoos. <laughs> I don't get it. And also, like, the other thing that's really perplexing to me in the ARMY membership, um, they all, like, <laughs> I'm so far behind on content. I can't even really speak to this, but, like, they all were doing like movie trailers type of things and they all Mm -hmm. did like a different style of movie and Jimin did one and they put tattoos all over his arms right and because they're fake we can show them like Hobie's and the Mott's One concert like those were fake apparently so we can show those but then when it comes to their real tattoos like those are not acceptable like blurring out Jimin's like young forever Jimin had tats on his hand too during the concert it was fine then. Like, I mean, like the big hit official photo yeah, they just because, released. But, yeah. <laughs> Tattoos on his hand. It's fine. But because they're fake. But when they're real. Ah, nope. <laughs> Take those out. Like, what? Make it make I know. sense. It's insane. <laughs> it, like, doesn't fit the vibe. Like, the vibe is that. Whatever. This isn't about that. I'm just yeah. very perplexed. I don't get it. Anyway, there's a lot of instruments here um i'm wondering if we're gonna get like you know an array of sounds in this album i don't know because there's a lot going on here i hope his shorts are a lot as well (laughs) there's a lot there (laughs) bringing it back (laughs) yeah (laughs) i am i i have a problem here but yeah there's a lot of instruments on that table A a metronome the curse of the metronome we have some tambourines we have what looks like maybe a very small accordion. 
What yeah, else? there's some instruments here that I don't even know the name of. What is that instrument next to Hobie's knee? Um, I know what it them? does. It's like a percussion thing. It makes like mm. rain sound type of things, but I don't know what that's called. Mm. <laughs> like the rank amateur that I am. Interesting. Um, is the photo in the background the one that Yungi drew in one of his YouTube lives? That's what everyone was saying, but then I follow this account who she's actually like an art historian and she's like it's not that she's like it may be a Yungi original but it's not the one that he was painting in that mm. um v live youtube live thing so unclear he also painted something in the soup is it that one maybe not i do not know it was something similar similar co color scheme i think i can't remember also are we just gonna brush past the fact that they all have dark hair Oh, 100%. Hold on, let's focus on that because <laughs> you're like, wait. <laughs> this is actually really important. What the last time they had like all black hair was Tear, right? Yeah. Anytime they have all black hair, they are at their full form. I don't care what you guys have to say. Black-haired Bangtan is like top tier. And I mean like it's not two. It's one. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> That's their like fullest form. So I don't know what this album's going to sound like, but it's about to be fire i'm telling you that right now i mean i know we've debated this briefly in the past well okay first of all let me comment on the hair for the hair we wanted it for so long like army were begging for it for so long and then we finally got it for tear and now they're bringing it back so we're definitely not ready but the other thing i would like to emphasize in conjunction with this is they've repeatedly been like this is the most bongtan-esque album ever and I'm like, I don't know what that means, but, like, yeah, the way you're saying this is really stressing me out here. Like, I'm very stressed. Yeah. That makes me anticipate the album even more. Because I'm like, what does the most Bangtan-esque mean? <laughs> um, what do they think there it means? There will be so gunfire like, on at least three tracks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, we can sit here and theorize about, like, you know, Bangtan style, whatever, as long as we want. But they're saying that this is the most bongtongous album that they've ever released. So this is like truly like their heart song. So I'm really excited to hear it um, and figuring out whatever that means. My hand is literally shaking with this mic right now. I'm not ready. <laughs> I hope you don't hear like sound warping around this mic if my hand shakes. Like, I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm also like, uh, we got that photo and then like nothing else. So I'm yeah. like, are they going to release something again this upcoming week? Is this the only photo? Because it could be. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Also on that day, um, Dynamite was revealed to be at number five on the Billboard charts. But number one on both of the global charts. So insert round of applause um, sound effect here. Still in top five. We're here. Um, let's see how long we can go. It'd be cool if we could pull it back up the next week. But you know what? At this point, like, even if it fell off the charts, like, it's been a long time that Dynamite has been on the charts. So I'm proud either way. I mean, you literally never know until Billboard releases. Right. You know. But I saw that currently Dynamite has re-entered the top ten on U.S., I want to say iTunes charts, so people are still buying it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, 
I've been streaming Blueberry Eyes like crazy this past week. Right. So I'm really hoping that comes out at least in the top 10 this week. I'm hoping higher. And also I saw that School Love Affair Special Edition is in the top albums. And I'm so ready for this. So I hope it's right. What if we get a number one album for an album that was released? <laughs> I have been waiting for this moment. In 2014. They, first announced they were re-releasing this album i'm like hello uh, yeah also apparently my book wasn't supposed to be wrinkly just all the u.s re-releases were damaged what book what do you mean okay so it came with like that little blue notebook and mine has like wrinkles and people were like yeah it's supposed to be like a notebook that you carried around in your backpack and it's like beat up and I was like, what? And then apparently the 2014 release was, like, more of an embossed, like, more of a 3D cover. Oh. Why they gave you the janky ones? <laughs> That's what I would also like to know. <laughs> I'm like, mine don't look like that. <laughs> yeah, because you bought directly from Weavers, so maybe that's why oh. you do it. Okay, so maybe there is benefits to buying on Weavers. Army tip time, if you don't want a janky album... Buy it on Weverse, maybe, because that's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> okay, check out my book. You can see it better on the back. Can you see it? I'm I don't like... know how to position it. There's like little wrinkly. It's like wrinkles oh. all over, like oh. this. Yeah, mine does not look like that. And it's on the front cover as well, and the back. But it's like oh. the entire back is covered in those wrinkles. Okay. All right. I mean, my book itself is fine. Like, I assume it has, like, all the pictures. But it's, like, wrinkly as hell on the back. Like, ASMR, you can hear it if it ridges. Wow. All right. Well. Back to our news. This is why you buy from Weavers, so they're not petty to you. Well, that's not necessarily true, because you know what? You bought the Map of the Soul 7 from Weverse, and it was ripped and oil-stained. Looked like somebody ate tacos and then touched it. Yep, so, <laughs> so, actually, I take that army tip back. Does not necessarily mean you're going to get a al- good album because it came from Weverse. On the 20th and the 21st, we have Jimin... Yoongi and Jungkook doing the lives and Jungkook on a YouTube live specifically. But um, we got them doing lives. Was not ready for that either. I barely caught the Jimin live. I had to get off because of work. So I couldn't even fully watch it. And then I wake up to Yoongi and Jungkook being on live. And I can't believe I missed a Jungkook live after waiting for what, a year? <laughs> I was pretty upset. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I watched the Jimin one, and I missed the Yoongi and Jungkook ones. Still haven't watched them. But I saw people (laughs) sharing a lot of them on the timeline, so I got the basic gist. Yeah, I'll have to go back and watch them later, because I didn't watch them either. So, we're not that great of reporters today. (laughs) Um, On the 22nd, the Mott pop-up store released the black swan and on merch did you buy any 
Yes, I did. Um, I tried to be frugal and hold myself back, but shipping really makes it a moot point. Um, yeah, so I was checking out on the American store. I bought the on stickers <laughs> for like $8 because I was like, oh, yes, my price range. And then I bought the mug, which was like 16 or something. But then my phone battery died as I was checking out. And as you all know, Weaver's shop is mobile only. There's no desktop Weaver's shop. There's desktop Weaver's for streaming, but to actually buy things, no. So then, as Kalea knows, I had to wait like 10 years for my phone to kick back on. And when it did, the mug was sold out on the U.S. shop. So me being me, I panicked and switched to the global shop and bought them there. But the shipping was genuinely more than the cost of my items. So I'm like, why do I even bother with this? Like, actually, why? But I don't know if they're restocking. Like, it's very unclear to me how the model works. Like, I realize it's ongoing until I think January, we said in the last one. But I thought every single week was like a drop of a different era's merch. Like, you get it or it's gone. So I don't understand how it's structured, to be honest with you. Because we saw, like, the varsity stuff. We saw the flannels. Like, none of that was available. So. Right. Yeah, I don't know how it's working. I'm hoping that they'll restock, considering that it's going on until January. Like, they have plenty of time to restock. And obviously the demand is there, so you can make more. <laughs> um, I wasn't really that interested in the merch that they released. I want that varsity merch. <laughs> so I'm waiting on that to drop. But even still, if it's like $100 like these sweatshirts were, I'm like, I'm not buying this. Honestly, I can't really justify paying that much for a sweatshirt. I liked a lot of the pop-up store merch, but something I did notice is that like it didn't have their... like A few items had their lyrics on it, but other stuff was just like generic graphic design. Or, like, not generic. Like, I thought it was done well. I bought some of the items. But just, like, BTS's likeness or, like, like the on stuff was very, like, Art Nouveau or kind of, like, 1920s, 1930s French-looking stuff. And then Black Swan was, like, the mug was literally, like, an artsy-looking swan. Like, no one would know that it was related to them. I thought the designs were cooler than what I've seen them release <laughs> in recent times. Um, <laughs> but yeah, still not enough that I'm like, yeah, I want to pay this much money for this stuff. So I was really only interested in the clothes and because it was so expensive. I'm like, yeah, I'm not shelling out money for this. Like it can wait. I think part of it too was like the experience, like on the last pod, I think I was talking or maybe it was the one prior about how they made the concert experience as similar as possible to a real life experience. I don't think the same is true. RE the pop-up shop. Like I saw pictures of the pop-up shop in Korea. I saw they're doing a pop-up shop in Singapore. Like we went to the pop-up shop in New York city, whenever that was in 10,000 lifetimes ago, basically. Um, like you go in and it's so immersive. They have so many things on display. It's almost like an interactive museum, right? Like, yeah, there's things you can buy, but there's videos playing. There's a wall display. There's all kinds of things in there. It almost would have been cool, I think, if they had merged, like, the exhibit that they just did with the pop-up, even virtually somehow, to make it 
like a more immersive experience. I mean, that'd be even more dangerous for my wallet, right? <laughs> like get me in my emotional feels and manipulate my wallet. But <laughs> it, there isn't the same level of excitement as like, okay, I'm here. This is like an occasion. I'm ready to like <laughs> drop stacks. I'm like, oh, another Weaver's transaction. <laughs> yeah. Um, I saw some footage of the soul pop up. And honestly, I was like, I, I want this. I've said this a thousand times, but I hate COVID. Um, Cause we probably would have had this pop-up shop in the U S I would think yeah. they had one before. So why wouldn't they? I'm like, we would have been here in New York somewhere shopping, having the time of our lives, taking pics, these little VR photo booths that makes it look like you're taking a picture with them. I'm like, I want that. I don't want this merch that I can buy on Weverse. I want to take a photo. It looks like I'm there with BTS. That was so cute. Like, I don't want this. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I mean, that's basically what I was trying to say. You summed it up way more simply. But just, yeah. I want the experience of it. And maybe I would spend more if there was more of an experience. Versus, like, Midnight Panic. <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do? Um, also, we all got engaged to BTS on the 22nd, if you saw that Samsung ad. That was, like, the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen, but here we are. Um, all seven of them proposed to us with Samsung earbuds. Um, very convincing marketing strategies here. <laughs> Again, Definitely. we want the experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It works. Feel it whoever's, now. whoever's over there in the lab cooking up these Samsung ads, boy, like give them a raise because they know what they're doing. Honestly, I woke up um, for the Mott's one tour I, or concert. I woke up like the hour early and just sat there watching the Samsung ads where, you know, Jimin and Namjoon are making perfume. Um... I think it's Tae Yoongi and Hobie are like in a chocolate patisserie type of place and Jen and um, Jungkook are like tailors of some sort. But like those were basically art films. Like they were commercials that I just sat and watched on loop for like an hour and I wasn't mad. <laughs> like Yeah. And this like new proposal thing, like we did our boyfriend trope episode and I think like we pride ourselves to try to like not be Delulu all the time, but like, I don't know what's going on with him lately because I just, how am I supposed to not be Delulu when like I wake up and this is on my timeline? Like I'm only a mere mortal. <laughs> okay. Exactly. I was definitely going to bring up that episode. This 1000% goes into the whole parasocial relationship. Um, that we have going on with BTS clearly <laughs> because we're not actually engaged to BTS, but they are doing commercials and <laughs> like insinuating that we are right now. So here we are. Um, I'm just a little bit more delusional than I was the other day um, before waking up and seeing that. And it's not really my fault. So <laughs> what can I do about it? <laughs> uh it like uh, low key makes me mad. 
I'm just like, I'm so clearly being manipulated, and yet I know this, and yet I do nothing about it and continue to be manipulated. Because honestly, by the end, with Jungkook's smile, I was like, yeah, maybe I want a Samsung phone, maybe I want some earbuds. But I had to, like, reel it in and think for a second. No, I don't want this because I'm not actually engaged in BTS, and they're not going to convince me to convert into a Samsung phone. But they're doing really, um, they're doing a great job. They're doing a great job. I'll give them that. <laughs> and then, like, the very next day, or maybe not even 24 hours later, there was the Fila, like, winter drop. I don't know what they were calling it, but it was, like, Bongtan in an industrial park. I'm not, not clear where they were at, but <laughs> it's just, like not like they've literally had like jungkook punching the camera like <laughs> this is the stuff of standwit dreams and that's all i'm gonna say about that like i don't know what to do oh man to continue our delulu fantasies on the 24th namjoon gets on weverse and gives us a health check health check-in i guess tells us about his uh <laughs> <laughs> his uh weight he's putting on his healthy weight um also lets us know that like Jungkook has like 10% body fat so somebody posts this chart of like what all the body fat percentages looks like <laughs> I'm like oh <laughs> I didn't need a visual but here I am <sighs> this is not that kind of podcast but like come on <laughs> well since we're already here <laughs> And we're already, like, skirting around the issue. I'm trying to keep my thirst to a nice, like, low simmer. Maybe, like, PG, periodically PG-13. But, like, I swear to God, since the Mots 1 concert, and maybe a little before, like, what's going on with Bangtan lately? Like, is quarantine, lockdown, like, getting to them? Like, something is going on. And I'm like... <laughs> I'm being tested. Like, I don't know. There's something crazy. Like, Jungkook in his V-Live was talking about how he wanted to do a bun for that infamous My Time performance on day two, but they couldn't find any, like, hair product or hair ties that would keep his hair in the bun for the duration of the choreo because he's literally going too hard. And I'm like, he would have done that outfit with that hair and, like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) What? Leave me alone. Just think, in a few more months, the hair could be longer. I'm just going be even more ripped. Honestly, I'm not ready. Like, <laughs> I don't know what this comeback is going to look like. I don't know what next year is going to look like, but, you know, better buckle up. <laughs> I've been seeing all these edits of Jungkook with, like, really long hair and i'm like why are you speaking this into existence like why are you putting this out there (laughs) these edits come true as well like they've happened just about every time somebody makes a tay edit (laughs) i'm trying to figure out why that is like is it just manifesting power is strong or like they're actually on stan twit because they talk about like things they've seen online I don't know. 
I'm still waiting on the buzz cut Nam June edit to come to life. Like, just do it. Just give it to us real quick. It'll grow back like really fast. <laughs> if you're working out, eating healthy, that hair will come back in like two seconds. Yeah, you know. <sighs> yeah, I have to leave this conversation. Like, I would very much like to be excluded from this narrative. <laughs> Uh, there's about not to lose my mind. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, last bit of news. Enter another round of applause. Um, bit here, you know, just envision it because we're not actually putting it in. Um, boy with love hit one billion on YouTube. Yay! It is the second BTS music video to hit one billion views after DNA. So congratulations to BTS and thanks to ARMY and all the other non-ARMY viewers who have given Boy With Love so much love since its release. I can't believe it's been out long enough for 1 billion views. I know. We are going to move on to our next segment, which we pre-recorded from our last conversation. <laughs> so we're just going to slide that right in here um, and hope that you enjoy the last bit of our Is BTS a Genre conversation. This is the third and final part. So get ready. Bum, bum, bum. From our split up episode. So we're going to dive right into the next topic. I wanted to see if, or I wanted to see your thoughts on, if the media has determined a set definition for K-pop or BTS is K-pop. How do we modify that definition? Is it possible to change this set, typically wrong definition of k-pop you know them thinking that k-pop is just a bunch of like <sighs> screaming 17 year old girls like chasing after these boy bands and you know these boy bands coming from this super big corporation pumping out boy groups incessantly and you know like how do we change that is it even possible I think that's what BTS is doing. I think they're changing it, and that's why people get so butthurt about it, quite frankly. Um, but, oh, excuse me. I had to plug in my laptop. You may have heard my elbows crack there. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of like people are always going to put you in a label or put, a, put, put you in a box, and you just keep doing you. I don't know. Like, at what point do we no longer care? It's kind of like... BBMAs. Like, winning them is great, right? I'm not saying it's not. Um, winning their Grammys is great, and I hope that it happens for them. Um, 
But at what point do you just like realize that you're never going to win over certain people and you just keep moving? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because really, who's losing out? It's not BTS. Like, these award shows know that they need them to stay relevant. That's why they hype them up the whole time and then show them for five minutes at the end. I think the way, like you were saying, I think, you know, BTS is already showing that they're different. Um, But I think fans are also showing that we're different as well. Um, Yeah, that's true. I think some journalists, you know, some... I don't want to say newspapers, but like online articles, they're showing how diverse ARMY are. Um, I think they're showing the efforts that we make outside of BTS, you know, the things that we support, like our support recently for Black Lives Matter or, you know, our support for like education programs um you know like saving the environment like there's just so many things that we are involved in that's you know it'll be in bts's name but you know we actually are like doing things (laughs) we have more meaning than just what they try to make it seem like we're just sitting around and just screaming about these boy bands right So I think if we keep moving in the way that we are moving now, that eventually in time, people will be able to see our efforts and see that we're more than what they want to stereotype and label us as. And the same thing will go for BTS. If they just keep going in the same trajectory that they're in, doing what they're doing, not doing it to try and please these people who try to label them. Yeah. (laughs) Um, then like we will finally I don't want to say finally like defeat it but (laughs) we will be able to show that we're different than um what they try to make us out to be yeah yeah I agree and then there's some people's minds you'll never change and you just need to keep moving like no matter what you do some people are always going to think you're kind of weird or not be into it and at some point you just need to be like is it worth my energy to try to change their mind? And that's why I think what ARMY are doing is so powerful. We're just, like, going and doing it and not really worried about it at this point, I would say. Um, We try to be, like, polite and, I guess, like, aware of how our actions might, like, reflect back onto BTS. But beyond that, I I wouldn't say we're doing any of the things we're doing for clout, necessarily, right so yeah it's like no matter what whether they have the k-pop label or not whether we have this um negative label about being crazy fans or or not like we're going to be judged Um, exactly so (laughs) there's like not much that we can do about it and unfortunately there's not much that bts can do about it because they're never going to be and they're never going to be American. They're never going to be like um, English. I don't want to say English speakers, but English as their first language speakers. Like, yeah. we're not expecting them to start making albums in English. 
even if they wanted to, it still wouldn't matter. They would still be judged for it. <laughs> they would still yeah. be, yeah. Um, you know, criticized and seen as other, no matter what it is that they're going to do. Is the K-pop industry trying too hard to use the K-pop tag of BTS to push their groups forward? And if so, is that a bad thing? Can I let you take this one first as, like, the registered multi-stan of this podcast? People <laughs> like to try and say that basically because, you know, BTS is paving the way in the U.S. Um, market right now, or they're paving the way worldwide, I guess, for K-pop artists that these other K-pop artists are coming and basically just tagging along and eating off of BTS' success, right? <laughs> um, they'll point out groups like Super M. They'll point out groups like Blackpink. They'll point out groups like basically anyone <laughs> who has come to the U.S. and seen, or to the West in general, and just seen um, any amount of success. Um, <laughs> and I guess my thing is kind of like, is is that a bad thing? If other artists are able to flourish in the Western market because BTS is doing well right now. Like, I guess I would say that's like inherent and part of paving the way. Like not just right? for K-pop artists, but for anyone that might be underrepresented at the top of whatever industry. The whole point of you making the way is that you lift up others behind you. Right. Or you make a way for others to also succeed. I guess the point that I'm trying to get at that I, I, I don't want us as fans to get into this kind of like exceptionalist mindset yeah. where if other artists um, do get anywhere near BTS success that we should basically like hate on them and just constantly remind them that they're only getting there because of you know, where BTS is at. When these artists have put in, you know, a lot of work to be where they're at now, they've put in years. Some of them have been around longer than BTS, but now they are able to come and have successful successful careers in the West because of the influence that BTS has brought. I don't think that's a bad thing. And I think it's kind of weird that... um some fans, like, you know, kind of want to hate on other groups for that. Like, honestly, I, I think that's... Is that xenophobic? Is that kind of... Well, kind of. Like, I mean, that was, that's <laughs> part of the point I wanted to raise to you as well. Like, so I only stand BTS right now, right? I've said this, like, a thousand times. But I think part of this, like, pave the way narrative gets really weird because people act like there wasn't a road before BTS. Like, right. BTS may have paved the way, but there was a way from other people who had come before BTS, right? right. Um, and there's going to be people that come after them, and that should be a good thing because you're not actually going to get more diversity in the music industry, more inclusion inclusion in the music industry if no one can follow after them. Like, if they're one and done, then, like, you actually haven't achieved... You haven't changed anything. You changed it for BTS only, right? Right. Um, 
And I think, like, people in general will talk about, like, scarcity mindsets and stuff of, like, there's only room for, like, so many women at the table, for example, or so many, like, like, I think a lot of that is rooted in, like, there's only room for so many Korean artists in the U.S. And I would say that's just not true. Yeah, no. So, but I will also offer this counterpoint. Uh, I remember, like, I guess it was last year when Super M was going on their tour. Um, and, you know, they were all over the place. SM was making, like, a really big push for Super M is, like, the Avengers of K-pop, right? That was, like, the tagline. Or, like, Super M is the next BTS. Like, you heard that a lot. And that was, like, that part bothered me. Because, like, Super M has every right to succeed in the U.S. as well if they want to. Like, if, if that's... I'm I'm not minding... I don't mind that aspect of it. But what I do mind is people making these comparisons... Because they're both Korean and that's like the right. sole unifying factor or because they're both idol pop. Like, and I'm sure that's a disservice to Super M too, right? Like yeah. these guys have all been working hard for a long time and to be labeled as like the next whatever it like, I guess it could be flattering in some ways, but it's also kind of like erasing or undermining the work that you've done on your own as a separate group and as a separate individual and that's where i take issue with it yeah but i don't even know that that was super m like that could have been the western media for all i know being like my brain can only handle one (laughs) thing like i don't i don't know and and they know and and they know that these tactics work and they know that it's going to garner views they know that it's going to get people to look at their articles it's going to get people to you know talk about it um and it could have even been i I don't know what um label super m is under um but it could have even been their label that was hyping it up and you know in the west you mean yeah Mm. not sm but i mean like whoever they work with in the west it could definitely have been that Western label that was hyping it up and making it to be like <laughs> this big deal um, about them being like the next BTS. I'm, I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, but it is weird that we have to put them together, like you said, solely because they're Korean artists. <laughs> like, why can't we just see like everyone flourish? You know, basically, I yeah. want to see representation across the board. I don't right. want to see just only BTS succeed and then it just kind of like this fades away. Right. Like, no, I, I want to see them all like lifted up. I want to see this become like a regular thing. It shouldn't have to be like a one-off thing or, you know, incredibly hard to get other artists to come over into the U.S. market and succeed and thrive. <laughs> I hope this becomes a thing too, not just for K-pop, quote, whatever K-pop is, which is the whole debate of this podcast but also like latin artists or like a lot of african artists or you know so artists from literally anywhere in the world it's not like any country or culture has like a monopoly on talent or musical talent right like i would love to see more diversity across the board i i wanted to raise one um is Twitter really suited to having these conversations and like how much progress can we have on Twitter? That was like their ending question. I think 
Twitter could be a healthy forum if people are serious about it. Like, if people don't automatically try to shut you down with, like, no BTS paved way. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's have, like, um, let's have, like, serious conversations about it. (laughs) <laughs> like you know let, let's try and actually have dialogue about this conversation because i think it's very interesting um i i think it could be a very like healthy conversation to have if you if you want to unfortunately like you know twitter's only limited to like certain so many characters yeah, so, yeah that's definitely a <laughs> that, limiting <yeah>. factor <laughs> yeah um but i think that twitter could be a healthy forum but we just have so much like fan wars and like going back and forth about who's better and who did this and who paved the way and who did it and who comes first and who said who like who said what or what like it <laughs> yeah it you like lose the point of like the entire yeah. conversation i love twitter and i spend probably more time than i should on twitter um but it's so easy for things to be taken out of context on twitter right. um and everyone's like a hundred percent defensive all of the time And I just don't know the 140 characters. I mean, I think it's been extended, but like whatever the number of characters is, it's kind of short for an in-depth combo. And you always have so many new people coming and going, which I think one of the people in the panel mentioned that it can be hard to like move past base level discourse on Twitter. Um, So, like, on the one hand, I'm a little bit skeptical about Twitter's value for, like, in-depth conversations because there's many things where, like, as I've learned more, I've changed my mind about, like, just in life. And there's so much, like, misinformation on Twitter, even just, like, people starting rumors to clear the searches, which has been, like, a big thing, or, like, mistranslations or various things. Like, I'm not sure Twitter is ideally suited for these conversations. But at the same time, there's a massive army there and it's where a lot of discourse is happening. So barring something perfect, how can we interact better on Twitter? How can we make Twitter a place where we can have these conversations? Yeah, Cedar Boss Sagey was basically, you know, trying to encourage other people to or encourage fans, I guess, to, you know, do more research and try to be more involved in like you know korean studies korean language more than just like i guess your basic level of like k-pop knowledge which i agree with to an extent but the vibe that i was kind of getting was that she didn't really feel like i guess k-pop fans could really be involved in these conversations because these conversations are like going on elsewhere in Korean by Koreans and we're like missing out on a lot of context but I'm like does that mean that we can't have these discussions because you know like you know we're not fluent and then that goes to say like having access to be able to be engaged in Korean studies to be engaged in Korean language is like limited you know having the funds having the resources and things like that so I think kind of like off to say that you know fans of k-pop can't really be engaged in this i don't think there's anything wrong with it i do think that if you have the ability to be able to um study more about korea study more about the language the culture you definitely should before you like you know try and make some comments about things that you really don't understand 
Yeah. Um, I guess I, I, I took it more as like be aware of your own limitations, right? So many people think they know exactly what's going on and I've fallen into that trap too. Not necessarily about this, but other topics where I'm like, oh, well, I know all about this, but just kind of like be a little bit humble. Not that you yeah. can't engage, but like realize that as a Westerner, there are limits or I mean, I guess I'm assuming because I'm speaking English, right? But like as an English dominant person let's say like be aware of the limits and like what you're missing in the discord like you will never have the full picture i mean i also would argue that like k-pop though maybe predominantly korean based on her own presentation is not a wholly korean creation right it's taken from uh you know western music um historical black music forms like it it is a global creation so it isn't like I'm commenting on like pensuri or something, right? Like, right. It's a global forum that we're interacting with. Who better to comment on it than people that are interacting? So, yeah. I don't know. I get it. I mean, there's more to Korean culture. I've seen a lot of tweets that like talked about like the economy and BTS's impact on the economy. And of course, as a fan, like I'm interested in that, but then there's also like a whole other economy of like hardworking Koreans, you know, (laughs) who have normal day jobs and stuff and like aren't directly tied to K-pop. And so when you get this overly maybe enthusiastic or well-meaning view that, you know, BTS is having an outsized impact, like it can be a bit reductive yeah um and so like we don't want that either i think it's also the way that information is presented to us as well because you know when an article is telling you that bts is contributing billions of dollars to like south korea's economy it sounds crazy right but yeah you don't realize that in the numbers it's really like a very small amount (laughs) yeah Um, you need the relative percentages, not the actual dollar amount. Right, exactly. So it's almost like you kind of can't, I don't want to say you kind of can't blame us, but <laughs> you can't blame us for getting like all excited about it and, you know, thinking this way because that's the language that we understand and know. That's how it's presented to us. So like, what can we do about it? The only thing we can do is like she was suggesting, go and try and educate ourselves otherwise. I think one of the other panelists, though, was it Randy Sa? Um, he said that, like, a lot of this discourse and music criticism, like, is not happening in Korea. And, like, we talked about it in our last episode that there's, like, a different type of... Um, like people the origin of the label of k-pop is even disputed like different panelists had different opinions on it and so just because like even though i really dig her perspective right and i loved the panel that she did cedar boss Seiji, even if she's the most informed opinion she's still only one opinion right and she's coming at it from a heavily academic perspective and you know research writing follows a certain form in academia the sources you use follow a certain form in academia. And that's not to say that's bad. I think that's good. And you combat a lot of the misperceptions and misinformation. But you could be the most in tune person in the discussion and you still won't have the whole perspective. 
So we might never have agreement <laughs> on this topic or this issue. And that's right. okay too, as long as we're talking about it in new ways and like reconsidering the opinions that we hold. I think it's good. Yeah. I think that's one of the cool things about it, that this is going to continue to evolve. Um, as the years pass, this conversation could be different, you know, five, 10 years from now. Um, even like trying to define K-pop, I, I don't even know if there's, as we have discussed, there's like no real definition, <laughs> you know, no one can like really agree on it. Um, so I guess we'll see. <laughs> and I hope that we'll continue to like keep having conversations like this um, worldwide, you know? Maybe this is like true liberal arts kid of me, but I almost think you don't need to come to an agreement as long as like people are having these discussions in informed and thoughtful ways. It's still like furthering everyone's collective knowledge. Right. So, yeah. It's interesting because I don't even remember. And maybe it was me, right? Maybe I was not there. I'm not saying that, like, it was not there. I mean, Twitter was probably pretty new. But, like, even upon watching that first G-Dragon video in, like, 2007, 2008, whenever that was, then getting, like, really into UKIS for a while, like, I honestly (laughs) don't even remember having any of these conversations. Yeah. I don't know who I would have been engaging with on, like, Tumblr probably existed too. But, like, I just was not even thinking in this way. Yeah. I think that all circles back to the achievements that (laughs) BTS has made and the boundaries that they've been um, pushing and breaking in the Western industry has caused us to have these conversations about, you know, what is K-pop and if they fit into those boxes or not. Um, Or like any of these artists, you know, what is this term, K-pop? What does it mean? Um, uh, Any final thoughts? I guess I'm just thinking beyond, beyond BTS, just thinking about societal boxes at like a high level there's always going to be some discomfort with anyone that doesn't fit a box period whether that's the size or shape of their body the size or color of their skin the language they speak the form the musical forms that they're combining like there's there's always going to be some kind of like discomfort or dissonance that comes from someone like breaking out of a clearly defined box that we've put others in. But like, we're ultimately all better off. I would say when we can think about each other in more like multifaceted ways, you know, be respectful, educate yourself and try to ask yourself what beliefs underpin your good or bad thoughts about any genre. And I'll leave it at that. Right. I think that's the cool thing about it is that your opinions can change. Um, Your thoughts on this can change. You can say one thing. Um, Like on the last podcast, I may not even agree with what I just said on the last podcast now. Like, I don't even know, you know? (laughs) Right now, I I think I'm just going to focus on BTS being the genre, Um, as they said, because I, I think that that's more 
fitting. Um, it's not as limiting. Um, and I think that we should kind of steer away a little bit from these limitations, at least as of now, that um, K-pop has for these artists. Like, I, I want to view them as artists, pop artists, not have to constantly view them by their nationality, um, view them by the language that they speak in. I, I think it's silly. Like, there was a comment from one of the participants um, Lee Ji-young. Pushing Korean idol music into the K-pop definition seems to be a way of respecting locality and encouraging diversity at first glance, but one should think about for whom this distinctive interpolation is necessary. Is it the Korean people, Korean music industry, or is it for outsiders? We need to consider the colonial thinking that it will further enhance. Um... I feel like that <laughs> like My summarizes job. it enough. Uh, definitely we need to move away from these labels um, that we try to place these artists under simply because they're not Western. <laughs> That's really the bottom line. Um, just focus on the artists and the content that they produce, the work that they put in, you know, the achievements, the good things that they're doing their message like that's really what she should be most important not having to focus so much on their race i mean isn't that what everyone wants to be known for their own achievements and their own like products or you know works that they've produced or things they've done exactly that should be the lasting um impact all right, well, <laughs> that'll do it for today's episode of Girls with Fun. We will see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye.